bring the readings. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, the Bible readings, the three Bible readings for today. Um, the first one is Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And in James 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. And then 2 Peter 1 verses 5 to 8. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, Love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've been asked to reread Romans. That we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with his love. And there ends the readings. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Uh, and it is good to uh, remember we're studying the book of Romans so with three similar uh, texts. Uh, just like if you're doing a, a Bible study, you read the text and you might find other things in the Bible, then it's quite good to go back to that original text and just reread it again. So thank you, Anne, for doing that. Uh, sometimes I uh, get so engrossed with the worship up here, I forget what the message is, so I'm looking forward to it too. Um, and we often find similar structures used by various authors in the Bible. And we shouldn't be surprised by that because the Holy Spirit has inspired each of those authors in their writings. So just as we see good writers use literary structures, then so too God creates structures in the message he gives us. Lists are great things to have for us to help us check if something is complete or what else we need to focus on. And God uses lists in the Bible to help us in looking at our own Christian character, often in relation to Jesus. Love is patient, love is kind. There's a list. Whatever is true, whatever is noble. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Another list. And um, we have come across structural devices in the book of Romans before, in chapter 1. Here in chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, 
we come across the structure of a continuum to catch our attention. Other apostles, as we've read, had the readings to, done today, have done the same. And in our study of Romans, it's Paul's one we want to focus on the most today. But worth looking throughout the Bible where other continuums may give us insight to Paul's one. Of these three continuums, which uh, Anne read for us, it's Paul's one uh, that seems to stretch further afield and gives us a fullness of this continuum. If we were to splice them together, like I've done up here, then James's continuum seems to focus on our response to trials and persecutions to enhance our maturity uh, of our character. Peter's appears to focus primarily on the elements that show the maturity in our character up around here. Paul goes beyond the trials and beyond these primary attributes to maturity in character by stating that the key element that demonstrates the character of a Christian, which makes us completely different from any other, will be our hope, our confident hope in salvation. And we know this hope is authentic because we have God's Holy Spirit living in us. And that's what I want us to focus on as a key point for today. There is someone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord. We have a confident hope in salvation through Jesus. And we have a confidence in this hope because we have the Holy Spirit, part of the triune God dwelling within us. As we reflect on these verses, I'd like to take a quick tour of each part of this continuum and to reconsider how we interpret each segment because I suspect many of us, I myself, sometimes use the wrong definition such as the wrong definition of hope when we use the word in our comments, our everyday sayings, that we, and we underestimate the power of the challenges that come our way to shape our character. And we miss the real point of difference between a character of a Christian. So like many of you uh, and myself, uh, we might say we haven't really gone through any persecution like Christians in other countries have. That's very true. We live in a very safe protected environment. And when we read the trials of people like Corey Ten Boom, we see the endurance, strength and character and the ultimate hope and salvation blossom from their persecutions. At the same time, I want to encourage you, don't undermine the challenges and the trials that you go through in your personal lives that we face. It, it's sometimes not helpful. In fact, you cannot compare your own challenges with someone like Corey Ten Boom. But it's not helpful always to compare, or at least to leave it at a comparison. If we are going to compare trials then, or our challenges, then we should do it in a sense of seeking what God has to say to us to help others out. So rather than thinking, boy, those people over there, they're going through a really challenging time. I've never had to have to cope with that myself. Maybe God's telling us, Okay, so what can you do to be a blessing to them? Or if you look at someone saying, yeah, I've gone through that sort of thing myself, then maybe God's saying to you, so what experience have you had which means that you can be a blessing or an offering to them? So keep that in mind as we look at the challenges we go through. They're personal and they build our characters. In a devotion I go through each morning, 
uh, and share with my daughter Grace down in Dunedin. Uh, one of the weeks we focused on healing divisions in the Bible, written by Immaculate Hedden. And she is a lady who survived the Tutsi genocide uh, in Rwanda in 1994. And so she shares a number of stories about her survival and escape from the persecution at the time. She mentions at one time how uh, a, a soldier turned up intent on killing her. And she simply replied, may peace be with you. Um, and she had the sense in the spirit that um, God was saying to her, may the king live forever. And she knew and realized then that the soldier wasn't her enemy. In fact, the real enemy was the one who wanted to kill her and the soldier. And so she prayed silently. She said, Lord, if this is my time to come to you, receive my spirit. But if it's not, then I rebuke the evil spirit at work in this man so that he will not touch me in Jesus' name. The soldier checked her ID card. It showed that she was Tootsie, that she was on the death roll. And he said to her, I'll be back in half an hour. Uh, he never returned. And she has many of these little stories about uh, how she saw God acting in a time of trial, of great persecution for her and for others. But perhaps the story she shares, uh, the journey of growing in character from such a persecution, is clearly shown in her encounter with another Tutsi Christian who is struggling to forgive his uh, persecutors. And she says this, Shortly after the genocide ended in Rwanda, a pastor came up to me, full of anger and bitterness. He said, I don't think God can forgive those people for what they have done to us. Those who are unclean will remain unclean. Well, I said, if they repent, the Lord can forgive them. He left angry and didn't even say goodbye. A couple of years later, I met him again. He said, daughter, I was so upset and angry then. I've now forgiven those people who did so much killing. I understand what you meant then. I didn't. I understand what you meant then, but before, I was so hurt. I was so pleased that this pastor was not carrying a grudge. Together, as a body of Christ, we need the godly vision of our, li our lives and nations. While the enemy intends for harm, the Lord intends for good to accomplish what is now being done. I'll read that again. For the enemy intends for harm, the Lord intends for good to accomplish what is now being done. Anyone think of a Bible character who said something similar? Yeah, well done. <laughs> we need to get a Bible quiz happening, haven't we? <laughs> good, thank you. Um, consider the trials and challenges that we may all go through. Can we see God taking what the enemy intended for harm and open ourselves completely to God's will to see him use it for good? Bitterness, grudges and revenge get in the way of God building our characters and allowing us to demonstrate the confident hope that we have in our salvation through Jesus Christ. Looking at the next part of the continuum, endurance develops strength and character. I've heard some Christians, even some in this church, say that there doesn't seem to be much difference in character between some Christians and some non-Christians. And in fact, 
there are some non-Christians, they will say, who outshine some Christians. Well, while we may be disappointed in how we ourselves of the church body sometimes react in situations, and we do long to constantly be imitators of Christ, we often forget one key point, that every human being, those who call Jesus their Savior and those who refuse to, are all created in the image of God. And therefore we shouldn't be surprised that any human being has the ability to show a high virtue in character. We strive to be upstanding in our characters, to be kind, caring, patient, virtuous, demonstrating these virtues and maturity in character too. But since we are all created in the image of God, there is nothing to stop someone who doesn't know Jesus yet from demonstrating these characteristics. The one virtue that a non-Christian doesn't have uh, is the hope and salvation. Now we need to um, not make that an excuse uh, for how we behave and in and, and times when we let ourselves down, but we do need to recognise that we are all created in God's image. The one virtue that a non-Christian doesn't have is this hope and salvation. This realisation should never be as an excuse for us to neglect the standard of the Christians we are called to have. But along our life's journey, we're going to have some falls and let ourselves and others and Jesus down. The journey of strengthening our character is a step-by-step process. We don't always get it right. One of Paul's contemporaries who demonstrates this process of maturity and character is John Mark. Uh, He didn't always get it right, even though he knew Jesus. Uh, right from the beginning. So let me tell you a little bit about this character if you uh, don't know him so well. It's likely that the Passover feast that Jesus celebrated with the disciples before his crucifixion was in the house of the parents of John Mark. Mark would have grown up seeing and knowing Jesus as healer and heard him speak or was nearby at the Last Supper. It is presumed that this is a young man mentioned in the Gospels who fled the gut of Gethsemane with the disciples, leaving his cloak behind, leaving his clothes, outer garment behind. He is also the young man who journeys with Paul and his cousin Barnabas, and who leads them to return home during their mission trip. And so it's also the same young man who is at the centre of the conflict between Barnabas and Paul, and whom this amazing missionary team split and go their separate ways, as we read of in Acts chapter 15. But Mark is also this young man who later on Paul commends. And he writes in the letter to Timothy, he says this, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. And it's this young man who records what he had seen and probably the stories that Peter shared with him and wrote the gospel according to Mark. Along the road of maturity of character, with all the faults and flaws that we all battle with in our personalities, like Mark, we do still have a confident hope in salvation that Jesus teaches us, and all the disciples and apostles clung to that same hope. As we consider this hope that we share with the apostles of Paul's day, we need to take care that we don't use the wrong definition of hope in our daily words something that I can easily catch myself doing. You see, too often we use the word hope in a negative sense. We say, I hope we get there in time, 
because we're doubting that we actually will. I hope it doesn't rain for the picnic, but it quite likely will. I hope Jason doesn't go on too long, but he probably will. <laughs> Not today. A confident hope removes all hint of doubt. It goes back to the fact that we are 100% justified through Christ when we say with our mouths and believe in our hearts that he is Lord. It doesn't mean that we should treat God like a magic wand. Such a point of view doesn't grow character. But there is a certainty in our hope whether we see the outcome of that hope in answered prayers during our challenges or have to endure trials until we receive the fullness of our hope in heaven. Living with doubts like a wave being tossed by the wind or treating prayer like a magic wand for our wants are the two extremes. The ability to have the wisdom and discernment of what outcome we might face in the issues, joys or griefs we have along the way can only be understood through listening carefully to the Holy Spirit. There will be times we live with a quiet but confident hope that God is going to do the miraculous. There are other times when the Holy Spirit prepares us for something different. Let me share such an experience from my own life. Uh, early in the, uh, Louise's pregnancy of Samuel, our oldest son, we found out that he was suffering from a diaphragmatic hernia. Uh, there was a hole in his diaphragm that meant his stomach was way up here, pushing out all the other organs out of place, and we wouldn't even know if his lungs were developed to support him uh, until after his birth. The initial specialists had no hope and gave no hope to us. Quite different from when you go into a neonatal care unit, like which we had in Women's Christchurch Hospital, where they have no doubt they do everything determined to bring hope to a family and to a life. While members of this church prayed for a miracle, Louise and I both had a confidence that we had heard from God that Samuel would survive. A quiet and personal confidence, but a certain hope that what we had heard from God would occur. It wasn't smooth sailing, and God didn't wave a magic wand and instantly heal Samuel at the beginning of the journey. The journey through such a challenge was a key point to define the confidence that the Shaw family would have as a family in Jesus. What we hoped for came to be, and along our way our faith grew, and medical staff who denied knowing Jesus admitted uh, that what they were seeing and the birth of Samuel was miraculous, and it was only through our faith and the hope that we had in our God that could have made the difference in this situation. A happy end to our story. At the same time as we were celebrating the survival of Samuel, close university friends of ours were also in Christchurch Women's Hospital knowing of severe complications for their firstborn child and knowing that there was no miracle about to occur for their daughter, that they were going to go into hospital to give birth to a beloved child and to be able to spend no more than one precious hour with their daughter before handing, having to hand her back into the hands of Jesus. And yet, this young couple had the same confident hope in Jesus and in salvation and the knowledge that they would see their daughter again even though that hope would not happen here in this world. For those of you who have gone through 
similar situations, in the same situation of loss. Cling to the confident hope that you have, knowing that hope looks towards something greater than we can simply enjoy in this world. This hope will not lead to disappointment, even if we find that we must struggle or grieve for a little while. All these characters, Immaculate Hedon, John Mark, Louise, myself and our friends who lost their daughter, knew of God's love to us because he had given us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, a person of God who holds tight to us when we suffer, who celebrates when we rejoice, and who makes the love of God the Father tangible and real and overcomes the faults and flaws in our characters by making us aware of our eternal hope. The necessity in this is the Holy Spirit who gives us knowledge and joy and strength and love which continues to build our hope. Immaculate Hedon sums this up with an explanation. She talks about the difference between being saved, uh, being spared and being saved. Now let me just read it as we conclude. She says this, I believe that God had spared my life but I'd learned during the 91 days I spent trembling in fear with seven others in a closet-sized bathroom that being spared is much different from being saved. And this lesson forever changed me. It is a lesson that, in the midst of mass murder, taught me how to love those who hated and hunted me and how to forgive those who slaughtered my family. As Christians... Are we living as if we're just being spared or living because we are saved? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the confident hope that we have in you and salvation that can only be gained through you. Help us in our trials and challenges. Look after those who who have grieved because of the challenges they've had in the past, Lord, bring them peace and joy wherever there's still that inkling, that, that hurt. I pray for those who are, who are going through some challenges this day. Lord, I pray that you would remove the things that stop us from receiving your goodness, the hurts, the bitterness, the anger, the depression, remove them from our lives. And Lord, I pray for those in the days ahead who've got challenges. I think of those in Auckland, Lord. I pray that you would um, bless them indeed, but help us to look around and see where we need to be your hands and your feet. And Lord, as we journey this life with you at our side, Teach us, soften our hearts, open our minds to what you want us to grow to be for you. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Help us to remember that you are there each day. In Jesus' name, amen.